The Athletic. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Now. Coming up, it's an exclusive interview with the one and only Captain Kim, Kim Possible. It's Arsenal's Kim Little. 22 trophies and for Scotland, 140 caps and 59 goals. Kim is no little legend. She made her Scotland and Champions League debuts aged 16. She won the treble with Arsenal in her first season there. She went on to be named NWSL MVP and Golden Boot winner with Seattle Reign, spent a season on loan at Melbourne City before returning to the UK to captain the Gunners. Hope Solo and Tobin Heath have said she's the best player they've ever played with. Well, Kim told us about her rural upbringing in Mintlaw in Scotland, playing in midfield with Kelly Smith in her first game at Arsenal, her new passion for yoga and reminding herself as well to speak up and demand more for the women's game. Kim, often when we do these Athletic Women's Football podcast exclusives, we start at the very beginning. It's a look back over your life. And immediately I'm drawn to the fact that you grew up in the northeast of Scotland in a place that I have never heard of. I need you to tell us about it. A place called Mintlaw. What is it like? Paint the picture for us of where you grew up. Yeah, so Mintlaw is where I grew up and went to school. It's where my parents still live now. Yeah, it's a small village in the northeast of Scotland. It's about um, 40 minutes north of Aberdeen, which is the closest city. And yeah, it's quite a rural, rural location. Um, it's kind of the main village where the kind of academy was. And then there's lots of smaller villages around it. So um, yeah, I suppose it was quite a kind of rural, rural upbringing and um, kind of a bit out, of in, out in the country. Mm. I presume that you're Mintlaw's biggest football export, Kim. How did you get, <laughs> how, how did you get into the game? Yeah, I think I think there's a few male players that played professional to some level, but um, yeah, we actually had there were so many opportunities for me when I was younger. Um, I played for like the school team from primary age up to to secondary age, and for a club team. Um, and basically, it was I suppose it was opportunities through you know parents and volunteers who you know um, set up teams up there. I played for a local girls team called Bucking Girls, and. Um, yeah, I, I kind of always had football opportunities, to be honest. It always felt like it was something I could do, um, whether it was playing with the boys when I was younger and then going into girls' teams. So, yeah, I felt very lucky in that sense. Do you remember your first meaningful compliment? And what I mean by that is it came from someone you really respected, not just someone in the playgrounds. They know you're pretty good. But the, the one that really resonates with you that made you think, oh, I'm pretty good at this. I wouldn't. I can't think of maybe a comment, but I, yeah, I obviously remember... We used to play um, games, you know, at playtime and then at lunchtime with, well, it was normally just me with most of the boys. And obviously you, we would have captains who would select, you know, the teams and I would sometimes always be one of the first picks. So I suppose that's a compliment in a way. Yes, absolutely. I did that and I was always the last pick. So I can, <laughs> I can tell you that. that's definitely a compliment. <laughs> did you ever, Kim, we've spoken to players before where maybe kind of before your time we could be going back a decade or so earlier but players who 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 actually 
parents of parents of boy players were often out to prove a point that their son wouldn't be you know nutmegged by a girl and they'd often perhaps some of the boys via their parents would be out to prove a point about <laughs> girls playing football and boys playing football did you ever have any of that um i would generally say it was always a really good experience playing with the boys i always felt part of it and part of the team i think i, I think i can remember maybe one occasion at primary school when it was kind of said this is for boys but apart from that you know that was a really brief brief moment um and i think that's just part and parcel of you know playground and you know chit chat but generally i think i can say i never felt like you know i was separate or um felt different because of that so you know in general i just had a lot of fun and enjoyment through it whether it was playing with the boys which i did a lot and but also with the girls team I know that you said you didn't think you'd have a career in football until you were in your teenage years, which which nowadays, when you look at young girls and boys coming into the game, they start so, so young, don't they? So what was it that changed for you in those teenage years that made you think that it was going to be something you did as a profession? Yeah, I've, I've said that obviously a number of times. I, again, it, it was never, it didn't seem like a career path. I think it was just not really an option. Um, when I was grown up in the kind of, 90s into early 2000s um you know I didn't really watch it overly on the te- television especially not women games and there was obviously not professional teams at that time so I played a lot of football but I was never kind of mindful that it would lead to a career like it has now and I, I think I've said it's like, until I I kind of moved to Hibernian and then got signed by Arsenal I don't think it was really until those points that I really considered that I would be doing it for a kind of long-term career I suppose my career's kind of gone with the game professionalising. So, like, for me, it was just, I've just gone with that rather than it being something that was, you know, predetermined in my mind. How old were you when you joined Hibernian Girls? I think I signed for the women's team when I was 15, 16. So I was, yeah, I played for Buckingham, which was up north in Scotland. And then Hibs was also central belt where the teams were slightly higher level. And then I signed to Arsenal when I was 17. When you were at Hibernian, I saw these stats. And if Jonas is in earshot, then you, you might want to shut the door because he might be <laughs> expecting even more from you because 88 goals in 48 appearances when you were at Hibernian ladies, which is incredible. Were you playing the same sort of position that we're used to seeing you play now or not? I feel like I was maybe playing slightly more as a forward. Mm. I actually can't really remember, to be honest. Yeah, I played... As a forward with Suzanne Grant, who's a former Scottish international as well, and me, um, I think, yeah, I played probably a little bit further forward and let her maybe had less defensive responsibilities. But um, yeah, I scored yeah a lot of goals. I played a, I played number nine when I was a lot younger too. I played um, for my local team. I played as the as striker too. So I, I generally have played as quite an attacking role and then sort of maybe gradually gone into midfield as, as my career went on. It's no surprise that Scotland then came calling and you got your, your debut. What do you remember about that game against Japan? <laughs> yeah, very, not very much. But I do remember I went to, there was a, it was the first year, I think, of the Cyprus Cup, which went on for, I don't know how many years it went on for. I feel like I went there every year for about 10 years over a period. And it was just us, Japan and Sweden that were um, part of that first tournament. And that must have been 2007, was it? Um, yeah, I remember quite little, but I remember, yeah, coming on against Japan and coming on against Sweden in the second game. Yeah, and it just being in Cyprus. But apart from that, I can't really remember too much. <laughs> being warm. <laughs> yeah, warmer and Scotland, yeah. Was it always written 
in your footballing destiny that you'd play for Scotland? Or was it one of those things that just came along and you went for it? Kind of how much of a big deal was it for you at that time? Because you were still really, really young as well. Yeah, I think it, it was it was something that had been already part of my life for quite a long period. I was playing for the youth teams from the age of, I think, 12 or 13. You know, we'd um, be selected. With the, at the time, it was called Scottish Schoolgirls and obviously the youth teams with the SFA. So I, I just, for, for, from as long way back as I can remember, I was just always doing it and going on international trips. I remember missing out on kind of school trips, skiing trips and, you know, language trips and stuff because I was always away in April or in, in certain months because of the international break. So for as long as I can remember, it's just, yeah, something that I've always done, whether that's at youth level and then obviously on to the senior team. You spoke about that that Hibs move to Arsenal coming about, which is a big move, especially at your age and leaving all your family behind and your friends to come down to, to London. And not only that, I, I look at the team now at Arsenal women and you think of the new the new faces coming into that dressing room that look up to you and you're captain there now and and obviously held in very high esteem. What was it like for you back then when you were going in and there was Kelly Smith in the team, Rachel Yankee, Julie Fleeting? What were you like and in terms of an impressionable young footballer as well? Yeah, I think I've said this before. It's, you know, I didn't, I kind of took it in my stride to a certain sense, you know, moving down to Arsenal um, I think I've always been quite good with that changing and taking on new challenges. But like you said, I have quite vivid memories of coming in and playing my first game. I think it was against Leeds when I first signed for the club and I played centre midfield with Kelly Smith and also Julie Fleeting as a striker and Rachel Yankee. And when I look back, I'm like, that's quite a (laughs) a real experience. I literally came in at the time. I didn't train with the club either because obviously the game wasn't professionalised yet. We didn't train every day like we do now together. And I think we, I think it was four two the score in the end. But when I think back of that time now and going into that game with you know players who had you know been so successful at Arsenal for for so many years, I think they'd won the European Cup the year before. Yeah, it was it was yeah just a, obviously a great experience. And I think one being able to play with those players from such a young age has um, really helped me. So what is that like for you now when I, when I'm using that comparison? And I guess it's the equivalent of someone seeing you, Viv. <laughs> and I don't know, Tobin Heath altogether yeah. in the dressing room. I don't really think about that, to be honest, at all. It's something that doesn't really cross your mind, you know? it's, it's I'm obviously older than some of the players um, and I maybe have more experience, but yeah, I suppose, yeah, I don't really think about it too much. I just suppose it's just trying, I try to just do my best, obviously, for the team, you know, every day to bring out the best in others and myself. And yeah, it's not something I suppose you think about. You're just part of a team of 20, how many mm. players, you know, everyone's contributing and, whatever whatever way is there a pressure to be a role model though because you say you don't think about it which is which is you you obviously influence through through the way you act the way you are on the pitch and then there's another side to it where people are desperate for role models in the women's game and they're desperate to kind of activate in different ways off the pitch as well and so how do you balance that yeah I think it is something we think about as professional players now that we are role models because of the where the game's at, how it's developed, um, the exposure, and obviously just the, the amount of young, you know, girls who are now playing and you know want to aspire to be where we're at. So I think, yeah, I am conscious of that. Definitely, I think we all are, and I think, you know, for us that's important to be mindful of that and to make sure that you know we're conducting ourselves, we're working as hard as possible, we're showing what you know the right behaviours are, and especially in a you know, environment that has been pretty male dominant for a long time. I think that's obviously even more important as well. So I think we're definitely aware of that, for sure. 
And from when you when you first walked in through the doors at Arsenal, and of course they were the premier team. There's a lot more competition nowadays, but I know that you're doing fantastically well, but I'm sure you'll remember that it was just Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal and winning everything. In fact, I think, didn't you win the treble in your first season? Yeah, I think they won yeah. the treble quite often. <laughs> no, they, yeah, obviously at that time, I think Arsenal were the, we had most of, we had the best players from across Britain and um, Ireland. And um, yeah, it, the game was kind of becoming semi-professional. So players were paid a, a little bit in um yeah, we just had, I suppose, the best resources at the time and players. So um, we were very dominant in that in that sense. So how how has the environment changed from those beginning days for you? In terms of, I'm thinking of facilities and what you had access to, the staff that you work with. How has that changed to now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously grown massively. I think there's so many elements in different kind of departments and functions that have developed and we we, we still are now which is, is you know it's quite interesting and fascinating to be a part of to be at somewhere that was you know part of a club or that was there at the start in the beginning and now say I've been here collectively over my two spells over 10 years to see that progress it's it's really quite fascinating and interesting we're obviously at the same training facility as we were we're still playing at Bone and Wood which we were all those years ago as well and yeah, the, the progression, we've obviously gone from being, I think we trained twice a week when I first came and played on a Sunday. Now we train obviously almost every day. You know, we've got state-of-the-art gym facilities. Obviously our staffing has increased dramatically since then. I think we had, I think we maybe had an assistant coach, a part-time goalkeeping coach, and I mean, maybe a physio there occasionally. <laughs> like, whereas now obviously, you know, that's probably quadrupled and you know the amount of people involved in operationally and stuff so when you really get down to it it's really grown quite substantially. What about you Kim if you take us back to the young Kim Little that walked into the Arsenal training room or dressing room how have you changed because you would have developed throughout the years personality wise how do you think how do you think you've grown and evolved? Yeah I think again um, I think Football obviously brings that you're part of a you know a, a broader team and a you know a big group of people whether it's staff and players and I think when I was younger and even still now I'm still quite a reserved kind of introverted person but as I've kind of grown with the game and through my career I've definitely because of my experience and the amount of football I've played I've kind of grown into kind of leadership roles which has definitely meant that I've had to not change who, who I am but you know put myself in situations that are not naturally you know instinctive for me, whether that's speaking in front of people or you know demanding more or you know challenging people so in that sense you know I've especially since I came back to Arsenal and was made captain it's it's something I've you know tried to work on in that sense to not not take away from who I am but work on things that will help me but also help help the team. I think we got a hint of that, actually, when I made that comparison and I was talking about some of your heroes and then I, I brought it back to the present day and you were like, I can't get my head around that. Like, I'm not even going to think about it. Mm-hmm. It gives us an insight into what your personality is like. And I think I imagine that the individual accolades are something that, again, you've maybe parked. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you won the inaugural PFA Players Player of the Year in 2013. I'm sure that meant a lot to you because it was voted for by players and I and I imagine getting that recognition from others is really important to you that that play too but is it also something whereby in terms of how good you are and and I don't make any 
bones about it on the on the podcast, Kim. You know, I've I've admired your game for a very long time. But is it something that whilst you're still playing, you have to keep thinking, I'm not going to think about how good I am right now because I'm still in it. Yeah, and yeah, it's not something you always have an awareness you're playing at a certain level, so you don't just get there by you know by chance or by doing things. But yeah, for me, it's. I think I was having a conversation. For me, I, like the biggest thing that I want to do is to be consistent every day in what I do, whether that's on the training pitch in the gym, you know, how I act. And for me, that's kind of what motivates me. It's like, how can I be the best at what I do every day? And ultimately, I think that's led to, you know, me playing at a certain level over a long period of time. Um, and that's kind of just how I work. And then even if we win games or, like you said, score goals or win you know, accolades in some sense, it's, it's something, it's really momentary. It's just like something I think about and then I move on. It's just the next day of doing the, the same mm-hmm. thing that what got me there in the first place, if that makes sense. That's kind of how my, my brain works. Is, is that what you're describing to me now? Is that the makeup of a winner? I think consistency is, yeah. I think that being able to be at a really high level day in, day out over a, over a long period of time is definitely what allows you to get to a level. At um, a very really high level. Whilst you're achieving on the pitch and you're being consistent, it's also important to have consistency off the pitch as well within your personal relationships with your family. Who are the people who keep you grounded when you're achieving wonderful things mm. on the pitch? Who are those people around you who make <laughs> sure that, that life is consistently good as it can be off the pitch? Yeah, I think my family definitely keep me grounded and it's maybe also it's obviously a huge part of my personality I think we're generally not a huge football family wow. you know we're not we didn't play you know we didn't go support a team consistently when we were younger my dad and mum didn't play they played rugby and hockey like they weren't particularly football you know people if you would say so yes they obviously have interest in it now but it wasn't like a huge part of what we did we obviously did a lot of sports um my sister um uh, my older sister has three kids now so I've got nieces and nephews and obviously you know she's so busy anyway so you know follows obviously with them um, and cares and has interest but also has got so much going on that's much more important than, <laughs> than me and my football which you know I think that always brings you back down to earth as well and then my younger brother he he's more more of the football he's the one I you know played a lot with when I was younger and is you know extremely supportive and maybe more interested in the football sense but again is you know they're all living their own life just like I am and I think you know they also come and support me and they'll come and watch they're not kind of there day in day out so it's you know it's everyone's living their own life I think that you know Mm. I'm I'm in this little football bubble but that's quite a small (laughs) point of the world which is kind of how I see things and I think that really keeps me grounded. What about professionally Kim is there someone who you may have played with or who may have coached you throughout the years who you have kept in touch with who kind of provides a bit of counsel kind of away from your immediate you know teammates and coach etc yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't say there's anyone specifically but I've, I've worked with obviously different coaches at different times in my career I worked with Laura Harvey when I was first at Arsenal and then I moved to Seattle when she moved there and we're not in constant contact but I definitely you know you've got that kind of understanding of each other and are obviously supportive of what each other do and then obviously Joe Montemore was here before and I worked with him at Melbourne so you know you create create um you know, professional relationships with coaches, which is nice because, you know, they're they're always there in some form and understand, you know, the experiences you're going through. And then I think from like a, a kind of peer level, I've got, you know, some great friends in the game who 
Um, I've played with in different levels. Jenny Beattie here at Arsenal, who's I've played with it before at Arsenal in Melbourne, and obviously with the national team, who's you know one of my best friends, and obviously is someone I'll always go to, you know, with with anything. So that's you know it's nice. I think that's also the great thing about football, isn't it? It creates these kind of lasting relationships with people because you've got this common passion and interest, which is it's really nice when you reflect on, which I don't do very often, but it's nice to speak about. From when we first started covering you, Kim, and, and Kate and I were there quite early on doing some interviews with you, and then I, I was reading articles that you did, and I have to say I am surprised because I, I've lost count of the times that I read that you were missing Scotland and the fact that you, I, yeah, yeah, you kept saying that you might go back. And I think when you first moved to Arsenal as well, didn't you commute for the first six months or so as yeah, well? Yeah, I just flew down for the games. That was kind of, yeah, I just flew down for the games at the time before I moved down to study and then obviously sign semi-professionally. I think that's maybe a natural thing to say when you're younger. <laughs> <laughs> I was convinced oh she's not going to stay she's not going to stay the course because she's missing it too much but yeah, yeah. so if I got that wrong then did I read into that would, did, would I say I missed yeah I, I mean I don't really have much recollection of yeah missing I think again back to my personality I feel like when I move on from something I kind of I go with what's in front of me and I try not to kind of you know I think it's I think you should obviously think about the past but not kind of stay with it or you know because you've made the choice to move or you know, you've taken that decision. So yeah, I wouldn't say that was something I, I maybe I was just saying that in the interviews to. I think whether you like it or not, Kim, we are, we are, we are dredging back some of the past now, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the good bits. Let's talk about the Olympics. Cause that, cause that would have been kind of a major highlight of your career as well. You played for Team GB at 2012. Yeah. What was going through your head when you were at Wembley? I mean, it was a pretty special, special time, wasn't it? But what was what was going through your head when you took a minute and just were a, was able to sort of take take everything in, take the whole thing in? Yeah, you mean the Brazil the Brazil game? At well, yeah, and actually, and actually, all of the games as well, you know, because because you had huge crowds there and a real swell of support for the first time. People in huge numbers were, you know, consistently mm-hmm. going to those games. Yeah, it's 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 quite a contrast actually when I compare twenty twelve to Tokyo um this year. Um obviously I was what eight years, how many years older? Nine years older this time. And obviously when you're younger you have this you have a completely different perspective of things. You're you know, you're not as wise and you don't maybe think things through as much. But um yeah, if it, you know, it was obviously just such such a great opportunity to be part of of Great Britain being the you know, the, having a first women's team at Olympics in firstly and then also to play in a home games in London, while I obviously played at Arsenal at the time, was just incredible. And when you speak about that moment about you know taking a minute to take it all in, I can I can quite I can remember. I was obviously I was only twenty, I think I was twenty two at the time, but I can remember Wembley. We obviously won that game one 0 against Brazil, and there were seventy thousand people there, and it it was it, yeah it was incredible. And I can remember after it, we had the GB flags around us, and we were obviously clapping the fans and obviously showing our appreciation for their support. And um, yeah, that was a that that was a really special moment. One, you know, I can remember. Remember, and obviously, come this year in Tokyo, it was quite different. Obviously, mm-hmm. with no fans and stuff, but to be part of that home home Olympics was, um, yeah, it was it was really special. Was there a sort of a physical emotional reaction from from you? Did you get that? Did that? Did yeah. that injection do something to you? You know, 
I can remember after that, especially the, that game at Wembley, I think I, I maybe did a little interview straight after the match, but I can remember being, I, I'm not overwhelmed that easily, but I can remember being yeah, quite overwhelmed by that support. You know, for you, when you have that many people, you know, cheering you on and wanting you to do well, and we obviously won, which helps. But um, yeah, it was, yeah, such a nice feeling. And how much has representing Scotland meant to you in your career? Because you spoke about your family not necessarily being football people, but I'm sure they love the Scotland-England rivalry. And you scored, didn't you, in 2011 on your 50th cap appearance in a 2-0 win over England. So that must that must have felt good. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was in one of those Cyprus Cups I was <laughs> talking about earlier. Yeah, it, you know, it was obviously I was part of Scotland for a long time um, from youth team up till, you know, I stopped playing this year. And yeah, it was such a huge part of my life, obviously, for so long. And my family, you know, when I, it would almost be the only time I would go back to Scotland was when, when I would play Scotland games because obviously I played um, down here and then in, in America and Australia for a period of time. That was probably probably the main time that my family would always come to to those games. They would always come on a Tuesday night to um, whether it was at Tyne Castle or where else we would play, you know, St Mirren or or more recently the Easter Road. You know, they would always come and support whether it was my grand, my auntie and the ones that wouldn't come and watch, you know, so often. So yeah, it was it was always such a nice, you know, your time and yeah, I'm so pleased to be a part of for so long. You know, it was just ingrained in me. I I just did it for you know, since I was a kid. So, um, yeah, we've had some, you know, great experiences of the women's game there. And again, it's developed like, you know, the game has here at Arsenal, you know, us qualifying for the World Cup um, in the Euros towards, you know, in 17 and 19, you know, were great, was great moments and hopefully they can keep that momentum now. Your form at the moment in 2021, a lot has been put down to the fact that you have left the international setup and that must have been a huge decision to make and you must have seen other professionals that managed to elongate their career by doing that and managing their bodies and their time what were all of those factors that came into that process before you actually said that's it I've got to just focus on club now it was a decision I made over quite a long period of time it was something that was on my mind and I was considering you know, and taking into account all the things, the kind of pros and cons and, you know, the general thing you go through when you're making a big decision about something. And I think that's, you know, I'm obviously towards the later part of my career now, so that was definitely a thought. I still feel great and that I can play at a level for, you know, as you know as long as I want. But, yeah, I, it was just, I, I just felt like I wanted a kind of, not a shift in momentum, but just a, a slight change in my kind of routine in life because it's something that I'd done you know consistently and over and over for 15 plus years and I generally think about things like that quite a lot so it's something that had gone through my mind and we obviously I went to the Olympics with Great Britain um, and been to the World Cup with Scotland and I just felt like that the time was right to kind of step away into to have that little kind of break in the international dates are to just obviously I'm still training and and keeping myself at a level obviously for club football but it does allow you a little bit more kind of headspace to be away from kind of the pressures of performing in football which um it's yeah it's quite nice to have and I think for me it was just the right time for that. It would have been tough I'm guessing because there was a bit of a score to settle or I don't know perhaps you'll have to enlighten me but the exit from the World Cup in 2019, we were we were all so hard. I mean, I know you guys were heartbroken. We were heartbroken too. The manner of the loss and and you know losing a 
a a three 0 win to end up drawing that, yeah. that that game against Argentina. We were all absolutely gutted for you, and I wondered if if that perhaps played into the fact that you felt that you might still have some unfinished business there, and whether that was kind of a really hard hard decision to make because of that. Yeah, I think, yeah, again, obviously that was so disappointing to end the World Cup with that. I think we put ourselves in a good position and then absolutely, absolutely killed ourselves that last period of that game, which was just, it's kind of, yeah, it was hard to get around how quickly that kind of downfall happened. And he was obviously so disappointed and we were obviously, you know, pretty devastated with that, especially it being our first World Cup and having a really good chance to go through to the group stages, which we arguably should have done, but we, we, you know, we let ourselves down. But I think, again, just the way I think, I try not to to look back on things. Yes, I was disappointed and, you know, we should have went through, but that's not something I would hold on to generally, to think I need to score to settle. And I think, you know, my thought process with that is, you know, I feel like if you do that, then you'd be going, for, you could potentially <laughs> be going forever, you know? Yeah. So it's, 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 um, I suppose that's my logical brains kicking in and just, um, you know, recognising that. Like sometimes it's not always going to end the way you want it to, want it to or to in the best way possible or with the best feeling. And that's just, you know, how life is at times. And I think if you're always reaching, you know, for, for something, it's, it's maybe not, yeah, it can be maybe not wasted time, but that's kind of my outlook on it, I suppose. Kim, I'm conscious that as someone who doesn't like to look back so much, that we're doing a, a look back on your whole career here. <laughs> this must be you squirming these are, right the, now. these are the only times I do it when I do um, some of these interviews, which are not that often. But this is... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about harping back to the Hibernian days and those astounding figures that I mentioned we all know what you've been achieving lately at Arsenal, but also over the 10-year period that was split. We will touch on Seattle Rain for a moment, if you don't mind, because you mentioned Laura Harvey and, and you went out there and in your debut campaign, you got the MVP, which over there, most valued player. And you adapted so quickly to that team. And, and I wondered if that was one of the things that when you think of the things that you're most proud of, that is right up there, that you managed to do that and adapt so quickly. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. I think... Um... I just I just took it in my stride and I went there, played for Laura. Laura obviously knew me pretty well. Um, I'd worked with her at Arsenal for a long time. And I was going into a team that was, although I was going to a really different league to what I was used to playing in, um, I was going to a team that arguably was quite European and British because Laura was the, the coach, Jess Fishlock, I played in centre midfield with. We had the likes of Rapino, who's kind of got quite a, a European kind of style of play, not a, you know, maybe typical American style and so it, it because of the stature of the people I was going in to play with it was quite I would say an easy transition I was playing with you know at that point some of the you know the best American players Japanese players you know as well so it, it was such a good opportunity to go and play with a different kind of player to what I'd been playing with obviously in, in Arsenal before so that was just a great experience one for that again to play with these different types of players and then also playing in a in a different league which is really quite different to the to the FAWSL or the league at the time. Which players influenced you the most Kim and what did they add to your game do you think? Yeah I think um, Jess Fishlock was a big um, part of my time at Seattle and then when I went to Melbourne and I played in central midfield with her and Keelan Winters at the time and we had a really just a really we played as you know a 
midfield three and we just had really good kind of attributes that suited each other Jet, you know I was kind of given almost a bit of a free role I was the 10 I you know was to get forward and create goals and score and Keelan and Jess allowed me to do that by you know having these great defensive attributes in covering and feeding me the ball basically and I did I yeah really great memories of playing with with them and you know Jess Jess especially then going to Melbourne and it was just it was just a feeling like when you play with some players and it's still what you try to do now is like you're trying to bring out the best in others and you can combine a team together to allow that if you you know you have certain attributes and that felt really natural with that kind of team in particular but I think also with Jess because she also moved across there from the UK at the time as well. Before doing this interview I was thinking if I was Kim Little playing in WSL right now I know I know (laughs) I was thinking who is it that I would admire in terms of opposition the most and we've got to see how close I am okay because I've picked out one player that I think you really like now I I don't know how how close I am here I immediately went G Chelsea Mm -hmm. you mean from the current current crop of yeah yeah well you've just given me the answer so I'll say that Is, is it the answer though is it the answer is it the answer I mean I would I've not I mean I would have to think I feel like it's hard to think that of a Toby Hedrick, she's obviously been, in terms of, I suppose, the way I play and the way... Yeah, that's what it was for me, I think. I was um, like, yeah. It would, she would be very fun to play with just in terms of combining. And I suppose she's quite similar to, to Mana, who have, we have here, Ibabuchi, in, in, in that kind of style and, you know, intricate in play. And she's obviously been so consistent with Chelsea over, I don't know how long she's been there now, but it feels like a, you know, a fairly long time. And she's been, you know, one of their main players for a long time so, so yeah are those the players that you like the most then or do you like players that are completely different to you yeah I, I'm, I'm not I'm not particular I wouldn't say I think like I said I like to see I think that's just a real part of football is trying to combine and work with different styles of players but also different people it's what makes it challenging but also so rewarding as well and um I obviously love playing with players who are, you know, combined and it's you know really possession based. But I think it's it's also really fun to play with, you know, players who are the complete opposite too. Which young players excite you? As and I'm not going to call you a veteran of the game, although I just have. But obviously, <laughs> you're in this brilliant position where you've seen the game come on so far. But you'll also be looking at all the fresh talent coming through, and that is talent that had even more opportunity than you did. So arguably they should be better there should be exciting things ahead for them excluding Arsenal players I know I know is there a young player or two who you think now that's an interesting player obviously I think it's really hard to comment on players when you've not played for them I've always found that over over the years it's like you make you know you make a thought or a comment about a player and you've never played with them and then you play with them and you're just you know it's irrelevant so I, I, I I find it hard to like you know, express that. But I would say, obviously, playing at the Olympics, I played with Lauren Hemp. Obviously, she played on the left wing um, and got to play with her. And she's obviously a really young player and exciting and has this it's an ability to run with the ball as <laughs> fast as without it, which is quite um, quite unique. So she's obviously, and for being so young, she's, you know, a, a real solid performer and consistent performer at, at Man City and I think it's harder for young players to do that nowadays I think because there's a bigger pool of players to play from I think when I was a bit younger there was maybe less 
less players so then your opportunities were maybe more so I played a lot of first team football from a really young age where it's harder now I think for younger players to do that because there's a higher level generally so to get in you know you need to be good and then you need to be consistent so for her I think to have done that um obviously first Bristol and then to move to City and do that I think's credit to her um so yeah I would yeah say say Lauren the thing with young players with their whole career ahead of them is that unless they are very, very fortunate, they are likely to get an injury at some point. And that's what they've got coming at some point as an obstacle in the future and and how they guide around that. And you had that yourself. You've had your ACL. I mean, you can update me on these, but ACL, your fibia, you've had a foot injury. Any more that we should be throwing in there? No, minor ones, but, you know, minor muscle injuries, but no, they're the big ones. Yeah, they're they're the main ones I kind of had over a, I suppose, quite a short period of time, really. It was over kind of a two two three year period and how did how did that shape you and how did it test you mentally yeah I think it it really does give you a different perspective I basically had very few injuries to be honest until I was 26 when I when I rocked from ACL before the Euros so like I you know I didn't really have a care in the world just played football you know was able to do that week in week out which you know I was incredibly lucky to do and then I got my ACL injury which is probably the longest one you could possibly have and missed missed out on the Euros um, and, you know, most of the next season. And it, yeah, it just gives you a real perspective of what's going on around you, all the things that go into to football, all the little parts, what all the other staff members are doing. When you're in, you know, the football bubble and you're just playing, you know, you're so focused on the game and performing. You sometimes don't think about what's around you. But I think when you're injured, you then see that because you're kind of taking a step back. And I wouldn't obviously wish being injured on anyone. It's not you know, we'd all just rather be on the pitch every day training. But I think it definitely allowed me, me to develop kind of mentally and be empathetic in that way um, towards people who are going through that now and to help and to recognise. And it's part of football because of what we do. You know, we're putting our bodies through a lot every week. Um, there's more and more games now. So it is part and parcel of football. So, you know, at some point, like you said, you are going to have to deal with that unless you're very lucky and you don't. But um yeah, it definitely allows you a bit of perspective. And then, obviously, just the finer details when you're recovering from injury, you know, you need to make sure you're doing everything right in terms of your rehab so it doesn't happen again. Speaking about managing injuries, yeah. you seem to have, have come across yoga as a as something that can really help you sustain your career. What was it that, that drew you to that in the first place? Were you recommended it? And how how has it changed things for you? Has it changed the landscape? Yeah, I was recommended it. I think I started it when I was in Seattle. We um we got access to it through the club out there, and I just started to go with some of my teammates um, and really enjoyed it. And then I kind of did it on off for you know kind of a period of time. And I just I love the element that it helps with obviously recovery and um, mobility, but also more importantly, just that it gives you just time to relax and kind of try and switch off as much as possible and just be in a really kind of quiet headspace, which I really enjoy. I would actually sit in Shavasana for uh, half an hour if I could, <laughs> but we don't just <laughs> do that. And then here at the club at Arsenal, they now provide us with it weekly as just part of our recovery. So a teacher comes in um, who, who's great and we um, work with her once a week. And I, yeah, it's just a different element to football, which is helps us with football but it also takes you slightly away and I yeah I just really enjoy the kind of mindfulness of it but also just I can feel it doing good for my body and hopefully it'll um 
you know, allow, allow me to keep on top of my game for, for a longer period of time. So when you get this thinking time and you've got the ability to start looking forward, because I know you don't like going backwards, we'll go forwards this time. Okay. And you start thinking about life past football at some point. I know that you've said you want to contribute to society in some way. What ideas have you got for, for the future? Yeah, I think it's hard to kind of pinpoint exactly, but I definitely think about the future a lot. And again, as I'm coming to the later part of my career, it's something I would, you know, I consider more and try and um, use my time away from football to to help me progress in something that I think I'll maybe do post-career. I wouldn't say, um, you know, I have anything particular in, in mind, but I think naturally I've been part of football for long, especially women's football you know, there always is um there will be opportunities within that to keep help progressing the game in some way. Yeah, I think for me it's just yeah, being able to do something else like I can do football at such a high level and taking that into a completely different kind of career or industry, which yeah, I don't really know what it what it will be, but I, I hope I can yeah, contribute purposely in some way to whatever it is. And there must be such a, a wide spectrum of what people that your former teammates have gone on to do, the ones that are finishing the game. I mean, we know that you played with Alex Scott at points and look, look what she's doing, I suppose, more high profile in that sense. But you you look at other roles where the people have gone into the directing side of the game, sports directorship. Would you want to go to education again or? Sorry, education. As Would in, you like like to go into education, like do a master's into? Yeah, in... I'm, I'm currently doing a master's actually. Um, ah. I'm doing a master, an MBA um, right now. I'm actually just over halfway through it. Thank. I've already kind of started that process. I started that um, last July. Yeah, and it's mostly business related. It was more just to do a, I suppose, just educate myself and develop myself in some way. But yeah, obviously, there's so many role models in that sense from players who've previously played the game, like Alex Kelly. Karen Carney, and then obviously players like Jane Ludlow, who have gone into, you know, development into technical director roles within, you know, women's clubs now. So it is it is good to see what opportunities they are, and almost you know them being role models, not just playing, but then obviously having to transition, you know, out of playing too. Kim, as we all push ahead on this football journey, yourself as a player as well, how do we better empower young girls and you know really start to push towards equality? in the game what do we really need to look at yeah I think from my experience within the game and even even now still within club and international football I think it's to there's obviously inequalities because the games have progressed at different times you know the men's game is way ahead of of the women's game but obviously the women's teams are part of male clubs or clubs in general so we we don't have the same resources or access to men, the men's teams because of that progress. So I think it's recognising that. But for me, it's it's a one to be a role model, to not be outspoken, but to to say when you think things need to be better or when they can be. Obviously, doing it in a you know a controlled and um, you know diplomatic way and putting it across. But yeah, being you know bold in that sense. You know, it's you know when you don't think things are um, are right or equal or you know you're you're not getting the opportunities that you know, you believe are what you should have. It's to 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 speak about it and to to demand better, um, and to recognise that that's okay to do that. Like you have the you have the right to do that. And I'm I'm you know I even tell myself that that's you know I do that constantly. I'm like Tom said, you can do that. You can ask for more. You can ask for this, and that's fine because that's how things will progress. And I think that's kind of a big part of it is 
yeah, I suppose people giving people empowering people and giving confidence to females in similar positions that you have the the right and um, you know choice to do that. We've seen a lot of solidarity in in football, Kim. Certainly on the women's side, and there, there was that high profile story of the Birmingham players demanding more. Do you reach out to each other, and does that cross clubs, not just within your own clubs? Do you do you reach out and support each other? And, and what are you communicating about right now? What is it that you would like to see more of? Yeah, I think that's a constant conversation, to be honest, within within the women's game. I'm sure it is for you guys as well across, you know, media and you know different components of the game. And obviously, we've have you know friendships across teams because we've played with each other at different times. So it, you know that's quite normal that those conversations to have. And yeah, I, I suppose it's just I suppose it's making aware of you know think how people have maybe how we've maybe done things at Arsenal and how that's been a good way of doing it. You know, and just obviously sharing that and empowering in that way as well and recognizing what's the norm and what we we do deserve and what we should aim for I completely echo you there and I think Lindsay and I are you know in our 40s and absolutely I'm not still having those, 40 well, yet. All right. <laughs> just heading heading towards 40 for you but I completely echo you with reminding yourself that it's all right to speak out having the guts to say I deserve a place at this table and I'm going to shout up so that other people get it as well. I completely yeah. echo you. It's been so lovely to speak to you, Kim. Thank you so much for joining us on the Athletic Women's Football Podcast for this special exclusive edition. Best of luck for the rest of the season as well. Look forward to seeing uh, a lot more stellar performances, yeah. as we totally expect uh, from you throughout the season. Thank you. Thank you for having me as well. Well, that was us speaking to Kim Little. Linz, I love what she had to say about reminding herself to speak up, uh, reminding herself that the women's game is in a place now where they should be demanding, they they should be asking for things. I also really liked that. I felt we got into the mindset of a, a true winner there. She she doesn't <laughs> dawdle. She doesn't reflect too much. She she's really, she? she's on that present, isn't she? She's in the mm. moment all the time. Yeah, and also just fascinating about injury being part of her development of the game, really, you know, learning to deal with injury and how that can be a benefit for your game. So much to cover there. Really, really enjoyed that. Let us know what you thought of everything that Kim had to say by uh, dropping us a tweet at The Athletic UK. You can also get in touch via the Offside Rule as well, Lindsay. Yes, at Offside Rule Pod is the handle there. And don't forget as well that you can download, rate and subscribe. Five stars would be lovely. <laughs> that would be a nice Christmas slash New Year present for us, yes. wouldn't it? That is all yeah. we need. Uh, and if you do that, we will keep providing the quality audio. Thanks very much, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. The Athletic.